Hello and welcome to the Hit Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I am your host, Dave. Welcome to episode 21. 21. Old enough to buy alcohol in the United States. It's true. So what have you been listening to? I have been on a bit of a old schoolish Lamb of God kick. Nice. Uh, I've been playing the new Call of Duty stuff, which reminded me of back in the day. And I used to always listen to Ashes of the Wake, the album, when I was playing Call of Duty. So been listening to that a lot. And then uh, around the same time frame, Mutiny by Set Your Goals. Oh, it's so good. Very, very good, hardcore-ish pop-punk concept album. I don't know, theme album, theme I guess. Theme album, yeah. About, you know, being musical pirates. and I mean, it's just great. It's like every song is amazing front to back. You know, it's like first five songs, like all blend into each other really nicely. Yes, there's a lot of like carrying over from one song to the next song. There's a couple songs that are basically just intro or transition tracks into the next song it it all is great as a cohesive album as well as each song being good on its own has a great ender too yes yeah so you know if you're not familiar with that definitely check that album out it's one of my favorite pop punk and I don't know. I guess that was like the easy core or whatever. Kind before, of, yeah. It was right be- around then. Before that term was ever yeah. around. What about you? What have you been listening to? So I've been going a little bit more on the heavy side, listening to an album that I don't think gets enough credit, and that is the System of a Down Steal This Album. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's... I mean, it, it was the next album after Toxicity, so I guess it kind of got buried underneath. Oh, hard to live up to, I guess, yeah. when like, you get that first huge mainstream album, but it is, I mean, it's just as good, at least. Oh, absolutely. I love this album. Specifically, the I E A I A I O song. Oh, yes, yes. That's a, a good one. It's a banger. And then I've also been listening to the band Dead and Divine. Not familiar with that. They have a, a song called Slumlord that has one of my favorite, like, weird little intro hits. It's just, like, a guitar hit, and then it goes into the song. It's, I'll have to play it for you later. But it's off of their Antimacy, Antimacy album. You know, it's a good metal album if you can't figure out I how to say it. I can't figure out how to say it. <laughs> A-N-T-I-M-A-C-Y. Uh, your guess is as good yeah, as mine. Yeah, exactly. Tells 
you can find these songs on our Hit Shuffle Podcast playlist on Spotify. You can get that from our uh, website, hitshufflepodcast.com. So uh, we'll be right back, and I guess I'm going first this week. All right, Matt, you're up first this week, so uh, let's get the roll and see what you shuffle. All right. Twelve. Nice, nice middle. Middle, middle of the road there. Ooh, pulley. Ooh, nice. Dog's life. That should be a good one. All right, so that was Dog's Life from Pulley off the album... Something. Something. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be a censored curse word, or it's just at sign Octothorpe, exclamation point asterisk, pound sign for those who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was a new one. I didn't know Octothorpe. You didn't know Octothorpe? No. It's a great word. Sounds like a Spider-Man villain. But Pulley, I mean, they've been... They've been around for a while, man. I learned a lot of things today. Yes, you did. I mean, they've been here. They've been doing it since 1994. And this was released in 99. And they'd already had, what, three? This was their third album. Third album. It was their yeah, third, third album release. Third full-length album. And this is probably one of their harder-hitting albums as, well, as far as melodic punk rock goes. It's it's really good. I mean, I've I've... You know, listen to some pulley now and then. Right. I, I can't say I've been like a dedicated listener or anything, but you've been around it for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like good, solid, like a '90s California punk rock. Yeah. You know, it's not anything super fancy, but punk's not supposed to be. Yeah, and it is considered melodic punk rock, and you can hear it. There's octaves and lead lines and whatnot in the song, but there's you know yeah, harmonies and things like that. There's a lot of like in the uh, the choruses and stuff. It's a lot of like uh, driving octave chords over yeah. top of the power yeah. chords, so you really do get that you know a little bit more melody than just chugging at the power chords by themselves. Now, what did you learn today? <laughs> <laughs> I learned so much. Uh, the Founding singer and, I guess, leader of the band, uh, Scott Radinsky, was originally in a band that was scared straight and then changed their name to Ten Foot Pole. Right. Ten Foot Pole is a great Um, band. Yeah. They were uh, big, very influential in the Southern California punk scene. Yes. Uh, And he left the band and started Pulley because uh, his time was being taken out because he was a major league baseball pitcher <laughs> that's that's insane you you wouldn't you wouldn't think it but yeah actually like the whole time he was in scared straight slash 10 foot pole he was pitching in high school and the minor leagues and then being in the band in the off season and his spare time and then you know understandably the band wanted a full-time singer right to you know try to go all the time and him doing baseball two-thirds of the year kind of interfered with that. that yeah so then he uh he formed pulley with people from several All notable oh yeah notable punk bands you got strung out strung out. face to face 
one of the members left Pulley to go on to No Use for a Name. Yep. So, some some pretty big time people in the in the punk scene, and yeah, and then he, they went on tour with No Use for a Name, which is kind of which, funny. Yeah, yeah, and they ended up. It's it's funny. Like uh, they they've toured multiple continents. They opened for Green Day. So. You know, being in the band and playing baseball still worked out pretty well for him. I'd say, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he played baseball until 2001. So for, you know, the first six years or so Pulley was a band, he was actively pitching in Major League Baseball and doing it quite well, apparently, for a good portion of that time. Yeah. He also is a cancer survivor. Yes, he is. He had Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1994, missed a whole season of baseball because of it, recovered, and then came back and continued to play baseball at a high level for a number of years. In fact, the in, when he returned in 95 to the White Sox, in December of 1995, he was honored with an award. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, I don't know if I'm going to say this name right at all, Tony Canigliero. That's what it looks like. Award, which is apparently given to a player who overcomes a significant hardship Yeah. Uh, while playing baseball well, which I would say recovering from cancer that's and one. then coming yeah. back to play Major League Baseball, that's that's a pretty significant obstacle to overcome. Yeah, I would imagine. And then uh, after that, he went and played for his hometown Los Angeles Dodgers for three years. Which is still crazy. Yeah. I mean, after the, after cancer and everything, Pulley put out I think two albums <laughs> during this time, yeah. during those three years that he was playing baseball quite well, and uh, he played for a couple other teams after that, and then apparently went on to be a pitching coach at various levels of major league organizations until 2018, while still continuing to tour and put out albums with Pulley. Yeah, in one of his interviews, he was talking about how he would be. You know, out with the team for you know eight months of the year, and then he'd come home and he'd go on these like three week tours with the band. Which I mean, like that is that's the punk rock ethos right there. Mm -hmm. You know, you're out there doing something physically intensive for most of the year, and you come back. Do you rest? No, no. <laughs> you go on tour with your band. And I would imagine while he's out there with the baseball teams doing that kind of stuff, he probably wants to be on the road with the band. Yeah, I would I would imagine there was uh, something about when he was playing baseball that he was quite unorthodox in the baseball world. He would, you know, be blasting hardcore punk music and basically did not really like the organization or authority or anything of baseball at all and just made no secret that he just put up with all that because he liked to go out there and pitch and strike some guys out. <laughs> Which he did. So, I mean, this guy is like as legit punk as you can get really yes, very and, much so and to top it off as if all of that wasn't enough to make this guy awesome uh he also co-owned skate lab in southern california which was a skate park and skateboarding museum that was open from 1997 until 2019 that housed the skateboard hall of fame yep so, and it was a very very popular skate park yeah, I mean, it was huge in the skateboarding scene, and according to their website, they are trying to find a new location somewhere in uh, Southern California and make a new skate lab, so hopefully that happens, because that would be really cool to have a skateboarding hall of fame. 
I don't believe there is another one. Not that I know of. Yeah, Scott Radinsky is punk a, as fuck. Is a yeah. really awesome dude, and he's punk as fuck. But the the song itself, I guess I don't know. Do you have more about the, well, other than, the band? So or? other than they took a break for a while, but then they have also just released a new album this year. Yes, I am going to go listen to that after yes. we get done recording because I was not aware that Pulley was still putting out, you know, new music. Although I guess what it went from like, well, they went from 2004 to 2016 and then 2016 to 2022. Right. Yeah, I knew about the 2016 album. I didn't realize they were putting one out uh, this year. But yeah, the song itself, I mean, it's it's a melodic punk rock song. Yeah, I mean. Front to back. It's, you get right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> feel like i say that quite a lot on here but you know a lot of these songs there's not a lot of you know not drawn out intro, intro or anything yeah. there's just like a couple bars and i mean it's just like high energy all the way through just very driving with the drums and you've got some very uh i guess up tempo like palm muted guitars in the verses and it's and then it opens in or then it opens up so it'll have like the palm muted part with the vocal, and then it opens up with the the strumming in the vocal, which is a very like melodic punk way to do things. And I really like Scott's vocals, the way he kind of alternates. Uh, kind of, there's like almost two different voices. Yeah, he has like a more like punk shouty type of voice, and then the more melodic singing voice, I guess you would say as much singing as you can get out of you know well yeah i mean like it's this, still it's not you know there's more of a melody yeah. to it yeah and i do that really cool like off count guitar part where like ends a beat or two early yeah that's one of my favorite moments in the song There's not really, like, a chorus to this song, either. Yeah, because it's kind of... You get the... Like, the open strumming with the octave chord parts, but there's usually not singing over that. Right. Other than the only... Like, the only open guitar part that has singing is... Or not the only, but... Is the second half of, like, the verses. Sort of still, like, a non-traditional song structure. Because, you know, a lot of punk would just be your verse, chorus, verse, chorus type of thing Bridge, that you expect chorus, outro, yeah. yeah but this is a little bit different because like when you expect a chorus you just get a real driving octave chord part and then it switches back to singing after that and it just kind of keeps you a little off i guess yeah now if you wanted to really consider something to be a chorus i would it would be the the it's cold down here bumpy ride in my seat's not first class section because that is over open chords and then it goes into that like octave part right after it, but that's probably yeah. the closest thing you're going to get to a chorus. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's almost like the whole thing's just one continuous experience, and there's a couple things that repeat, but yeah. it's not necessarily like clearly defined song sections. Or it doesn't feel like that anyway. Right. Yeah, it's just like one you're you're going through the whole thing and you're not you're not breaking it up into into the various sections. And I really like the song is written from the perspective of a dog. <laughs> Which yeah, I was gonna say I really like the lyrics to this song. It's it's written really well. It's it's a really interesting way to go with songwriting. This is our second song that's from the perspective of an animal. Yeah, it's kind of and totally different songs, like totally Vastly different everything. different songs. As, as opposite as you can get, like this cats song and dogs. This song doesn't make me sad. <laughs> not at all. I, I thought it was going to from, from the beginning, yeah. but it, it ends up uh, not going quite maybe where you think it might go. And speaking of those lyrics, there are some really good lines, like the eyes are red, tongue is hanging out, I'm thirsty as shit, and I'm still a dog. <laughs> it's so good. It's just... And the way it's delivered, too. Yep. And I also like that this song doesn't have, like, rhyming. Yeah, it's it's more it's just kind of like, like a, free form. A free, yeah, free form. Which you don't normally get. A lot of times you'll get, you have to have rhymes and A-B-A-B and A-A-B-B and all that kind of shit. Yeah, there is, a lot of punk is very to a formula. Yeah. But this is, this breaks the formula a lot of a lot of ways, just a little bit. Now, what did you get from it about what this song is actually about? Being a dog. <laughs> Being a dog. All right. I I don't know. I would like. I wasn't really getting necessarily like a s- deeper meaning. Of course, I'm not really the best with that either. That's fair. <laughs> so, like it. It's a little unclear to me at first. It seemed like it was like a stray dog that had been like rescued and cleaned up and taken to a home but then i the more i read it and think about it i'm not necessarily sure that that is the ending <laughs> fair i got that they were forced to leave a place that they were at and there was like a struggle like to get to where they are now but they, where they ended up is where they wanted to be or like where they're where they're happy at like they gained comfort where they are now as opposed to where they were like forced to leave before yeah i can see that yeah yeah but it's really hard being from the perspective of a dog to kind of... Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the lyrics and everything pretty literally, like, from the actual sense of it, you know, being a story of a dog. Got a broad in your mind, bro. Yeah, I know, man. But it's also, like, pretty straight up about a dog, so... It, also, it, yeah, it could I mean, it's, be, it's, it's I, mean straight, I could be looking too far into it, and it legit could just be about his dog when he moved one day. Like, well, well, but see, that's that's the thing about you know music and lyrics and stuff like that is we read them and both went completely different yep. places with it, and who knows, he might have written it from either one of those places or an entirely different place or no place at all. Yeah, I mean, so sometimes you know, it's punk just a story music, that pops just, in your head, yeah. Some stuff happened, like there was a dog. Some stuff happened, there was a dog. Well, damn. I don't know. This should have been said earlier, but I really like the uh, the bass. Oh, yeah. Like, it's that higher-toned, mm-hmm. like, punk bass. It doesn't get lost, like, mixed in with the bottom end and everything. And there's some really neat, like, Phil flourishes he does kind of as transitions 
It's it's more of a ska sounding bass. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's like higher toned around, yeah. and he goes up to higher notes quite a bit. Yeah. So you you notice it more throughout the song. Which I mean makes sense. I mean, it's melodic punk rock and ska music really aren't that far apart. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot a lot of melody in the bass if you choose to use it that way. Right. Which is done to great effect here and i think in places the bass is like going with the octave chord not with the root power chord underneath of it i believe so yeah so you get a really cool harmonization between those two which is not something you hear in songs in general (laughs) yeah that's true like a bass doing a high harmony with an octave chord i can't think of another song necessarily where i've heard that All right, and that song was Dog's Life from Pulley off of their possibly censored curse word album. From 1999. From 1999. All right, and we are back. So it is Dave's turn, so go ahead and roll that die, and let's see what you get. That's a 10. 10. All right. <laughs> 10. I couldn't see it in the tray. That's fair. <laughs> Without Me by Eminem. All right. This should be an interesting one. Okay, and that was Without Me by Eminem off of the 2002 album The Eminem Show. That's a classic, man. Absolute classic. One of, or if not Eminem's biggest and best albums. One of my favorite Eminem songs. Probably not my absolute favorite, but it's it's definitely up there. It, from this era, it's probably my favorite song. I was uh, quite surprised to learn that the production was... Mostly Eminem himself. Yeah, he he has a big hand in his production. He, he I, really uh, likes to be involved. I knew that eventually he got really into the production, but this, uh, I did not realize he was this early on. Yeah. And uh, what Dr. Dre was executive producer of the album, but he only actually did production work on three of the tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Dre. He's going to get his production credits. So Eminem and his production partners are... Uh, Jeff Bass and DJ Head. DJ Head. But it's like the the production and the beat is just so good. It really is. And it, it's not your standard, especially for the time, not your standard hip hop beat. Yeah, like they they really did like to use a lot of like out there sounds yes. and stuff that was not being used in hip hop. And like the main like hook of the the beat throughout the whole song is i think it's like a synth sax that's what it sounds like yeah <laughs> is the closest thing i could figure and it's just 
you know, it's just doing a little melody that kind of like descends and ascends in little bits throughout the verse, but it, it it's so good. Just that gets stuck in my head. Yeah. Absolutely. And it really almost the same throughout the whole song. Like it aside from the I guess chorus part, the hook part. Right. Like ninety percent of the song is almost is that part essentially that, the same that thing. Same thing. But they do a lot of little changes or a little using random different sounds or voices like yeah or, yeah like the bass will drop out for a little bit or the beat will stop for a second or there's a lot of little weird like triangle dings and yeah, little vocal synth- forces, yeah, yeah. things that go on every couple bars just to keep it fresh but it's just i mean the whole time we were sitting here listening to it i'm just like bopping in the mm-hmm. chair like it's hard to it, not bounce you can't not, with yeah. that beat it's so good but this album man this 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 was a big one this yes this was the highest selling album worldwide yep. the year it came out debuted which, at number one and stayed there for six weeks which i mean that's insane i think it was 27 million sales the yeah. year it came out worldwide it just absolutely became legendary as far as rap and hip hop albums, and I think it was kind of it was where Eminem went away from like the early stuff that he was doing, the re- like darker, violent kind, like yeah. the slim shady persona that he had at the beginning, and this was more into when he started getting into like the pop culture and going after celebrities yep. and and getting into like his celebrity kind of persona type of thing and there's a lot of different shots at a lot of different yes, people there is. just yes, in this song absolutely. itself which i mean it now it's very a lot of it's of the time i mean yeah so a lot of it's dated but i mean he goes after dick cheney uh his mom of course uh, yeah Moby's a good, but then I'm pretty sure was it actually well, it was Moby a, it was in the in retaliation video? to Moby. Yeah, and then I don't know if he was actually. And then, yeah, they had the whole like rabbit suit thing. So I don't, I don't know. I think they ended up being good eventually. I don't know. I didn't really look into a lot of all of his beef with everybody. Um, there's a shot at Limp Biscuit, uh, one of the guys from In Sync. Uh, Prince. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's all over the place, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it's not super serious. It's just kind of always been his thing to. He, it's to create, not the, well, it's not as much of a shock value as it was for the original albums, but it's that kind of like chaos. You know, he just likes to yeah, create just getting chaos. stirring shit yeah. and everything. Um, no, I mean, he has, like, had actual, you know, beef, as they oh, yeah, say, yeah. In, in the industry with some people. But, I mean, uh, this is kind of, I feel like, when just taking shots at people like this really started becoming mainstream. And yeah, like open. Instead of having like whole songs dedicated to to t- going after one person, you know, like 
you know, Nas and Jay-Z or whatever, people had rivalries and they'd have whole songs where it was about, like, one person. Yeah. Whereas this is just dropping a line or two about a whole bunch of different people. And those those one or two lines are usually better than the other songs, like the entire songs that other people had written. Yeah, I mean, Eminem has always been so good with the lyrics, and this is really when he started coming into, like, his peak yeah yeah with this album and it's just there's so many clever turns of phrase and and rhymes and a couple lines that get stuck in your head i mean lyrically he's he's hard to beat yeah really i mean i'm not like a super deep into rap person but it's the the consistency and quality of his writing is up there with the absolute best yeah if not the best and this album is a huge part of that. Absolutely. It also helped him become the best-selling artist in the U.S. of the 2000s. The whole 2000s. Yeah, some, some of these numbers I didn't realize, like, he was quite that well-selling. Like, I knew yeah. I knew it was up there, but some of the stuff's just insane. The, the, he's got, like, three songs and two albums certified Diamond, I think, yes. or something like yep. that. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. I mean, this song by itself has almost 1.4 billion plays on Spotify. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, billion. 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 That probably made him $12 At least on Spotify. At least $12, $13. Which, I mean, probably shouldn't say that since we upload to Spotify. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't own us. I'd say it anyway. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know about him, too. Like, I knew he had, like, some kind of drug problem for a while. I didn't realize how bad that drug problem was with his pills and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I knew that he, you know, did drugs and stuff, because, of course. But yeah, I didn't realize that when he disappeared for a while, part of that was... I thought it was just because that was the same time that he got really into producing. Right. So I thought he just, you know, the break was... Because he was producing a million things. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, and not really what you'd expect. Like it was sleep medication. Valium was a was a big one too. Yeah. And he overdosed in two thousand seven on methadone. Which you know, that's supposed to be helping you, not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but on the other side of that, one thing I feel like doesn't get talked about that I had no idea was that he has his own foundation i did not know that either i didn't even see that yeah he has the marshall mathers foundation that a disadvantaged youth which makes sense for him yeah but you know. that's like i've never heard that before like why are, why isn't why aren't people talking about that yeah with somebody with his profile you'd think but then i guess that also shows you like he's doing it because he wants to do it not because yeah, he not cares flashy, about people yeah. knowing about it or people you know, which that definitely sounds like him. Like, he's never cared, <laughs> really. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit what people think about him. Like, he's... And, I mean, that's the thing. That's the way to do it. Like, if you're doing charity work and then going and posting on all your social media, all these pictures and video, Like, you... You're, I feel like it's not the same it's if not you're for the charity. Yeah. putting in an effort to make sure that people know that you did it. Like that. Like... He has this whole foundation. Neither of us have ever heard of it. Yeah. Like, you'd think it would be publicized. Now, he might intentionally not publicize it or, like, 
just he does it and doesn't make a big deal about it. Now, one thing that's really big in this song that we should probably jump into are the lyrics. There's a lot of lyrics. It's hard to try all to, the lyrics. Like pick out some specific things. I get uh, kind of right into it from the beginning of the first verse. I really like the. I've created a monster because nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want Shady. I'm chopped liver. Like yeah. he had created that persona, and then it got to the point where the fans were didn't really care about him as a person. They right. just wanted, they wanted that. They wanted more of that. Yeah, which was. Like, his outlet to get out his anger and violent thoughts and everything. So it's not really who he wanted his whole identity to, to be. Right, but it became, you know, what everyone knew. I mean, even before that opening verse, you got the two sections. The two trailer park girls go around the outside. I mean, if you hear that, you know what song you're listening to, like, immediately. Yeah, right. It, that's, like, iconic intro, and, you know, it was... The music video open with that and everything, yeah. and and then the guess who's back, back again. I mean, which, you can play that for anybody, and they'll know exactly what's going on. They'll, everyone knows that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it became like a thing of its own. Yeah, and it, it was you know he he was coming back off of his first big album, and you know there was so much pressure and expectation of what this album was going to be and what he was going to do. Right. And then he has the, I mean, just right, like you said, on the first couple of lines, the flow he throws out there is just, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, his flow and delivery it's and unlike the, anyone else, the rhythm that he hits yep. syllables with is yeah, the emphasis that he puts on some of the words and he puts it on like the offbeat, you know, like the, the one and the three or, you know, it'll cycle through all these different things. And like that in the writing is, why he is where he is and has had the success that he had and you know anybody who's into it will tell you like his flow and delivery is there's no one else like it and then when you hit that hook it's another hook that everyone probably knows I mean that and that's like it's it comes right in and the the beat gets a little bit bouncier and it's really it feels like your more traditional like pop or rock song chorus almost yeah than like a rap hook it's it's almost like anthemic i want to say you really want to just shout along with that part <laughs> yeah because it's kind of got like i think there's some background vocals of him more yelling that are kind of mixed behind the main vocal. So it really is like a, almost like a gang vocal shout kind almost, of thing. Yeah. Now, one thing that I didn't actually realize was that the Guess Who's Back Back Again was only in the beginning of the song. I could have sworn it was like throughout the song, but it's only done in the beginning. Yeah, because it's the, now this looks like a job for me, everybody follow me, yeah. it's the hook, which That's repeats the actual throughout hook. the song, it's just the beginning is. But I could have sworn yeah. that popped up again in the song like, before I listened to it. I, I think it's just that, it's just that one once. at the yeah. beginning as, you know, like a tie-in to the previous album. But it, it gets your attention, everyone knows it. And there's, I really like the whole, I guess, first 
well, pretty much all of the second verse that starts with Little Hellions, Kids Feeling Rebellious. Yeah. Kids feeling rebellious, embarrassed. The parents still listen to Elvis. They start feeling like prisoners helpless. Cause someone comes along on a mission and yells, Bitch! A visionary, vision is scary. Cause start a revolution, polluting the airwaves of rebels. Like the way he goes through that whole thing and there's the whole section in the middle where it's like, uh, so just let me revel and bask in the fact that I've got everyone kissing my ass and it's a disaster, <laughs> such a catastrophe for you to see so damn much of my ass. Yes. <laughs> Like, and, no one else writes like that. And it's, it's just the way he continually hits syllables and the, the flow keeps going. And then right after that, you've got the part where the the beat kind of does a little tweak and he follows it with a da na 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 To give you a little, like, Pretty much right in the middle of the verse, just yeah. to kind of give you a little variation and reset. And I really love also the end of the last verse where he goes through the whole thing of people comparing him to Elvis and the accusations of oh, a white a white person yeah. creating black music must be like stealing it and phoning it in just for money it couldn't right. be that they actually genuinely like eminem clearly just genuinely enjoys it like, and, he, like he, he has a passion and, it, yeah. a, and a, for rap and he's worked with you know dr dre forever and all this so he was not you know yeah, trying to get the... into rap for money or whatever it was his love and his passion now elvis i don't know i know that there's you know been accusations yeah. and discussions of whether he was just co-opting the like r&b music i don't know i don't know a lot about elvis so i don't know i know the a little accuracy bit of it it's it's pretty accurate <laughs> but i mean eminem definitely is not like no he's not calling it he's in. not he's he was not pulling that. he didn't want to emulate it he wanted to be a part of it yeah which, that, is, which is like and, the biggest difference and i mean that's the thing and people accusing him that clearly didn't know anything about him and like where he came from you yeah you can't come up in a battle rap scene and not be legitimate that's true <laughs> yeah because you'll find out real fucking quick like battle rap is absolutely like you will get demolished and yeah. if you're not good everybody will know it and you you'll never do anything yes your name will be shunned I guess. which this album, uh, he actually worked on the same time that he was making Eight Mile. Speaking yep. speaking of battle rap, so I mean, if, if as that movie showed, like he really earned his way through the rap scene, and like to just say, oh, he's he's just jumping on, you know, black music to to make money. Well, he has the respect of pretty much everybody who is a legitimate person in the rap scene yeah, unless, unless it's somebody that he has like a rivalry with you you can't be protege of dr dre and not be legitimate that's true <laughs> which speaking of like the music video and eminem and dr dre in the <laughs> yeah the batman and robin yeah costumes, the yeah. intentionally cheap batman and yes. robin costumes oh that was just the era of music videos and that seeing that so many times and it's just never not funny that's great, yeah. And but 
also back to what you were saying with the whole like him just trying to make black music he wouldn't have gotten 11 studio albums out if that was the case yeah i mean if it was just phoning it in yeah. you really think he would have had all the of these albums the success like he does. five or six yeah. albums that uh debuted number one mm-hmm. on the billboard charts multiple albums that sold 20 million plus their first year like yeah. did the super bowl yeah i mean like that's there's no question yeah that i mean he has become one of the greatest rappers of all time in general Re- yeah. no no qualifiers no like, and it's just it's period. gonna be i think it's gonna be a long time until we see somebody else that comes along like this yeah and i mean he he kind of changed everything like and he the end of that line where he's talking about 20 million other white rappers emerge yeah like there were a lot of people after that that saw what he was doing and definitely did try to phone it in and hop on that yep. just to make some money, which, you know. But it, he also did open the door for other people who were legitimately passionate about hip-hop and rap. Yeah, you had 20 million come through, but maybe a handful of them are still around. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know a, a whole lot about, you know, like the rap scene Right. Back in back in those days, especially you know outside of like Eight Mile, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's like I there weren't you know white rappers before Eminem were like Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah, no, there were there were some as far as mainstream. Yeah, no, there were some that were in like the hip hop realm that had been doing it, but they all started at like the same time. So it's like they were all early like mid 90s and stuff like that but they were they weren't what i would consider rap and what rap wouldn't be considered hip-hop kind of thing like they're still separate in my head because yeah i mean there there is there is a distinction i'm sure there's endless debate about what that distinction is and you know i'm i'm not qualified i just have my own mental distinction (laughs) right like right what's what eminem rap aesop rock hip-hop yeah yeah exactly like that's the you know the distinction that I see there, but yeah, there was there was just there's there has not been anyone like him in the genre in a long time, and you also feel like too, you know, with Eminem's singles like this being huge and some of his other singles, they're this quality, but normally the singles are not like the best written songs on the album or anything. So you've got these songs that are this good. And then you've got the other non-single songs that are even better. Yeah, some of those like tucked in like yeah, that can, that diamond tracks. You know, yeah. get more into you know not having to worry about them being a music video or on the radio or whatever. Right. And and he really flexes his chops, as they say. <laughs> Is that what they say? <laughs> I, I've read that before. Okay, yeah, I okay. didn't. I didn't make it up. <laughs> you've seen that on the internet once or twice. Yeah, it's just a good song by a great artist. It is, and it's like, and you can put it on at any kind of party or anything, and, you know, people will just kind of bop to it, and even if they're not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's everyone, too. It's, you know, that was the other thing, like, I really saw, especially being, you know, in, I guess I was in high school at this time, Eminem kind of jumped borders. You know, there were all different groups of people listening to it at the time. 
Yeah, I mean, it really, I don't know, like, different appeal. I, I don't know yeah. what it was, but it's like, yeah, any gathering, you could put this on and you probably wouldn't get a lot of complaints. No. I think it was right around, maybe right before this album came out. I definitely wanted to mention, I think it's close enough in time. One of my favorite Eminem moments is... Uh, the performance, I think it was MTV, he did with Elton John. Yes. When he did Stan with yeah. Elton John, because that was at the peak of, like, the the heat of the controversy, and, like, I think there was a big protest outside of the venue that night from Glad, I think it was, because, you know, there have been a lot of heat and accusations of him being homophobic and a bigot and everything because of his lyrics, and uh, as he had tried to explain to people in interviews and in song lyrics themselves, you know, not everything he writes in a song is literal out of his mind what he thinks. Like, part of it's a character and part of it's, you know, him trying to get things out that's not really what he thinks or feels. But, I mean, everybody has, you know, intrusive thoughts and things that aren't how they feel. And, like, he tried to explain, you know, I'm not homophobic or it's because I say these things or these words in my songs. So, for him to go up and do a duet with Elton John and, and do a big hug at the end. It was just such a great fuck you moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to the people, like, criticizing him and everything. And I didn't realize, I saw when I was reading about it today, that the, the organization that was protesting criticized Elton John for doing <laughs> the performance. Like, they, they, they told a gay man, You're, you can't do that. Like, yeah, like, like, you don't have that that say like no he's homophobic well i feel like elton john must have met and talked to eminem before he agreed to do the performance and i feel like as a gay man he probably would not have done it if he felt that was really what eminem felt an outspoken gay man yeah like one of the most famous gay men of all times and you know he never (laughs) hit it or anything i mean eminem was uh interviewed by the New York Times when same-sex marriage was being legalized in his home state. He said, I think if two people love each other, then what the hell? I think everyone should have the chance to be equally miserable if they want. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very Eminem answer. Yeah, and I mean, that's what... I'm very against censorship in music in pretty much all cases, so I've always been a fan of how he's gone against the people that wanted to censor you know, all of his music and everything. But, and I mean, also, look, this is 20 years ago, so with the way things are now, it's totally different. But looking back, I mean, there was a lot of the stuff and the homophobic words and everything that, you know, for better, you know, it's not... A lot of those terms at the time, just, they were commonly used. Like, it, Unfortunately, it, yes. it's just yeah. It's just a fact that at that time, it was widely used among younger people, and, you know, it had not, we'd not gotten to the point of, like, we shouldn't be using these terms as insults and, and that kind of thing, but people's just inability to to separate and not take it literally and just be like, oh, well, he said this in a song, so he's he must be homophobic. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, he went and did a very high-profile duet with a very high-profile gay man and, like, hugged him and showed everybody, like, I'm, I don't have a problem. Yeah. Like, And not only that, Elton John was his mentor during, like, the whole overdose 
like re- really rehabilitation and everything. I did not know that. Yeah, he called him once a week. Wow. So like they actually developed they a had friendship a and everything, yeah. and it's like I feel like people should really be able to see that and be like, okay, well, clearly we were wrong. Right. But no, they just told Elton John he was wrong. Yeah, they just went the other direction with it. <laughs> so, like, it's a very good example of you need to be able to separate art and artist. Yeah. And realize it, and especially with music. Now, I mean, there's a lot of instances where, you know, people do put what they actually think and feel. You know, there's a lot of, like, white supremacy bands yeah, and, and fuck that them. kind of bullshit. Absolutely fuck um, them. Which then you don't need to separate the art and the artist because they're the same no thing. It's the yeah. actual thing. So, you know, it's like a lot of things. There's nuance and you need to use a little bit of brain power and be able to establish, like, not everything's literal. And in a lot of cases, stuff in songs is from the point of view of a character or a made-up story. Yeah. And, like, just use some brains. and Use your brain. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Use your brain. In people. general, in 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 all cases, but if somebody says something in a song, look them up outside of the music. If they're an asshole, okay, then that's one thing. But right, if they're not, and they go out of their way to explain to you that they aren't and how they aren't, and, and then you still insist that yeah, they are, and why they used what they used, and and how they feel about it, and and there's just like the the push for censoring in general and everybody can oh well he uses profanity in the music so it shouldn't be popular and sell well and everything like i just no 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 music in general should not be censored that that is my personal view at least unless it is directly music of hate yes i mean like in any in anything there are certain extreme exceptions but for the most part you know music of whatever quality or whatever style, you know, it's they're just words like a profanity. What I'm talking yeah, profanity, about, yeah, yeah, understand. You know, curse words like with all the controversy with Eminem, like it's not. It's a word that somebody hundreds of years, thousands of years ago was like, "This is a bad word." Yeah, and for some reason we still believe it, and I don't understand what that means. And every curse word has. Like an analogous non-curse word, which everybody deems as acceptable, even though you're using it in the exact same way. Right. So, like, what's the what? My favorite thing, talking about censorship and everything in general, is like, okay, well, explain to me the difference between shit and poop. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like. You can't say shit, but you can say poop. But if you use them, the even though you're using them in the exact same way, one's okay and one's not. Because so, one sounds funnier. Yeah, but like that—that's the thing, and nobody can because there isn't. It's just somebody at some point decided these certain words were bad, and everybody's just stuck with it, and no one can explain it or have any sort of logic to why they're bad. Yeah. But like to to have music be blocked out because of these words is just ridiculous to me like there's one of the songs on this album that on the censored version the song's just not there (laughs) wow i think it's a shorter song and obviously it must be quite profane maybe i can look at what the lyrics are here real quick probably won't read many of them but 
yeah, okay, it's Eminem and Obi Trice rapping about sex with prostitutes. Okay. Graphically. So, um, but yeah, on the on the censored version of the album, that it's song is, it's just a, originally it was a track that was four seconds of silence, and then it just went to the next song. And then in later releases, they just cut it, and all the songs after it were jumped up one track number. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just completely not there that's, on the censored that's version. That's ridiculous. Which is like, I mean, yeah, it's it's, you know, graphic and whatever, but... It's Eminem. Yeah. You know, like, if if you have a problem with your kids listening to certain music, that's between you and your kids. Like, that's... Stop buying it for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it, you can't go and say, well, this artist, you just have to blank out everything on the CD for everybody because yeah. I don't want my kid to hear... Like, no, just... That's, that's a personal issue. That's not between you and the artist. <laughs> yes. Even on things like Spotify, there are illicit content filters... If you really don't want your children listening to this shit, yeah. then don't let them listen to it. It's on you. Or, you know, use a little bit of your brain and realize there's no difference between curse words and non-curse words. And <laughs> You're asking people to do too much. Uh, yeah. but so Also, fuck white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> just fuck them. I wish that wasn't a subset of music that existed. Yeah. <laughs> But that is definitely an exception to, you know, I don't think in general music should be censored or blocked or anything. But if you're using your music solely to spread actual legitimate messages of hate and violence that you feel, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> Official hit shuffle, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> And again, that was Without Me by Eminem off the 2002 album, The Eminem Show. All right. And so today my song was Dog's Life from the artist Pulley off their censored curse word looking album. And mine was Without Me by Eminem off The Eminem Show. Where can they find these songs, Dave? You can find these songs, as well as the songs we talked about listening to at the beginning of the episode and all the past songs, on our Hit Shuffle podcast playlist on Spotify. You can also find us on the social medias. At Twitter and Instagram, we are at hit underscore shuffle. We have a Facebook page, just the Hit Shuffle podcast. And we have a website, hitshufflepodcast.com. And you can go to those socials and tell us what song you got on our weekly listener roll, which happens now. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's okay I guess it does so I'm going to go ahead and roll the die and let's see what we get that's a five so go ahead and shuffle five songs into your library tell us what you got tell us a little bit about it and then uh, once we get enough maybe we'll make a little feature on our show so I've been your host Dave hey <laughs> no for the Hit Shuffle Podcast, I have been your host, Matt. And I have been your host, Dave. Fuck white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs>